Well, today we're continuing in the book of Daniel. Uh, we started last week with chapter one. We're on chapter two uh, this week. Um, and before we get to that, about every parent I talk to who has, who either has or has had kids in my my kids' phase of life, are familiar with um, what we call at our house stall tactics when it comes to bedtime. Um, any other parents experience this? Yeah, yeah, a few of you. Um, Steve's kids are perfect. They never, never <laughs> use these things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, especially, you know, you have that magical moment. You have put them in bed. They are there. They are tucked in. They have everything that they need to make it until in the morning. You go back and you go into the other room and you're almost Im- followed immediately by little footsteps that now have a sudden urgency. Uh, well, one of our, our daughter's favorite stall tactics uh, was to come out uh, saying that she'd had a bad dream, um, to which we started responded, you haven't been asleep. There's no way you've had a dream yet, uh, right? Anybody else been there? Um, so she has changed that one to, I had a bad thought. Um, so now she tactfully comes out saying, Daddy, I had a bad thought. Um, so then we take a moment and we pray uh, for her thoughts and her dreams, and then she goes back to bed. Uh, well, today in Daniel, we're seeing where King Nebuchadnezzar had a bad thought. He had a really bad dream. Um, and in fact, it seems to be a reoccurring nightmare that keeps hitting Nebuchadnezzar over and over again. And it has him really freaked out. Um, and he is very concerned about what this dream means. And one of the big things that we see through, through several of the chapters of Daniel that we'll, we'll see, especially with, with Nebuchadnezzar, is how over time God is just working on this guy. You've got Nebuchadnezzar, who undoubtedly is the most powerful man in the world. Like at this time, when it came to like the who's who or the Forbes 100 or whatever, he's the top of every list, okay? Like richest, most powerful, everything under his control. He's defeated everybody that there is to defeat around him. Like he is the man. And yet what we see through the book of Daniel is the sovereign God king of the universe, king over everything, constantly kind of telling Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, I'm bigger than you are. You might think you're all that. You might think you've got it all figured out. You might think you're so great, but that's all because God has given that to you. And we see this, this as a developing theme with Nebuchadnezzar as we walk along. And so we're going to see that theme um, through today's passage as we we look at at Daniel chapter 2 and we see Nebuchadnezzar's dream here and how he deals with this dream. So let's jump in. We've got a a good bit of scripture to read today too. It's kind of a a long chapter, but we're going to cover all of it today. So, So hang with me as we read. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, dreams plural, okay? His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. I mean, this is like bad nightmares. Can't even go back to sleep. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is troubled to know the dream. So he tells them, dream singular here. So 
what we take from that is he's having the same dream over and over again. Um, and it's really troubling him, really, really messing with him. Um, then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. All right, remember that phrase that they said right there, okay? Because when we get to the interpretation of the dream and what the dream actually is, this is very funny, okay? All right? Because the actual dream is about his demise and what's going to come after him. And the fact that he doesn't live forever. And the first thing that his smart people say to him is, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. I mean, think about this. Most powerful man in the world calls you in and says, hey, here's what you got to do. You got to tell me what I dreamed last night and what it means, or I'm going to rip your arms off. That's the way it's going to go. This is very logical, very, very sane logic here. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show, show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time, because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of, the, of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Why? Because they were considered one of the wise men. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. And so here we have the setting of the story. So you've got the king, had a bad dream, demands they tell him what the dream was plus what it means or else he's going to kill them all. And again, and so the, the order, the execution order is given including Daniel and his friends so Daniel's life is on the line again. And yet, once again, we see Daniel with this ability to just be so cool and calm under pressure and use tact and reason. And so these other guys had all tried to persuade the king to give them more time. Just give us more time. He's like, oh, you're just stalling. And somehow Daniel, when the execution order gets to him, he talks to the guy that's about to kill him. And he says, what? 
what's the rush? You know, like, you can kill me tomorrow. Like, why's it got to be today? And the guy's like, you know, that makes sense. You know what? I want to go talk to the king. Oh, yeah, you should go talk to the king. The king just told me to kill all of you, but yet I'm going to let you go talk to the king. He goes into the king, and he persuades the king somehow. The king just told the rest of them, no, no way I'm giving you more time. Yeah, well, Daniel is like, okay, yeah, you can have some more time. Like, what's up with this guy? It's God on him. It's God working through all of this. God's hand, his fingerprints are all through this whole story. Where we see God at work and guiding Nebuchadnezzar to like, hey, here's Daniel. He's the one that's going to give you the answer. Here's what I'm doing. Here's, Here's how I'm working in all of this. And it's the only way that you can make sense out of a story like this. Because what God is doing, what we're going to see in the, in the interpreta- in the, what the dream is and what its interpretation is, is that God is revealing the future. He is revealing the future to Nebuchadnezzar and what's going to happen, what's to come after him. And that tells us a couple things. One, that tells us that God is in control over not just the past, but also the future. If he can tell us what's going to happen, that means that he's orchestrating it. He's not just like looking through some kind of looking glass like, yeah, I think this might be the way it works out, guys. No, he's God. He's sovereign. He's in control over it. And as as a mortal man, as as human, it can be terrifying when you come into contact with with the God who can reveal the future. And so we we might want to like kind of laugh at Nebuchadnezzar and like his irrational, just I'm going to rip your arms off stuff, right? But if we put ourselves in his shoes, if we're confronted with a vision from the living God of what is to come, that is so far beyond us, that, that is terrifying. And so a lot of times while we might want to come to prophecies and things like that, like we're about to get to in scripture, and we might want to say like, oh, I'm going to figure all this out. I think it is healthy for us to come to it with a certain level of respect, fear, and awe. Because this is from the living God who's in control of it all. And he's so far beyond us. So God can reveal the future. And that can be a terrifying thing. And so, if you're a guy like Nebuchadnezzar and you think you've got it all under control, that you're the one that's in charge of your destiny, that you have, um, you just got to do you to take care of you. And you're confronted with a picture and an image from God that says, no, there's something bigger, there's something better that's coming after you. And ultimately, you're going to be smashed. Because that's what Nebuchadnezzar eventually gets. Well, the story goes on in verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might, 
He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. And so we see here Daniel, and when he's confronted with his life is on the line, he's gotten this little extra time, and yet even when he was getting that extra time, he had full confidence, he had full faith that God was going to show him this answer. Like as you read this, Daniel's like, yeah, I know this is possible. I know God. God can give me this answer. And yet, after all of that, after he's gone to the king with such boldness, such confidence, what does he do immediately? He goes to his brothers in arms. He goes to those that he has been walking through life with, those who also know the Lord. And he says, come with me. Come together. We're all going to pray for this. You see, Daniel is a good example for us that the Christian life and faith in God is not to be lived alone. That we need those alongside us who, when our life is on the line, they're going to link arms with us. They're going to pray with us. They're going to help help us along the way. And Daniel had that with his three friends here. They'd already gone through stuff together with what we saw in chapter 1, and they already had those relationships together. Now all, all four of them, their lives are being threatened, and they're able to link arms, come together, and lift this up to the Lord together. I see so many times in church life where when someone is faced with a very difficult situation, all of a sudden they're looking for this. They're, they're at that point, they're like, I, I need other people around me. I need other people that will lift this up with me. I need other people that will pray for me. But in fact, the best situation is when you get to that point, you already have those people in your life. Because there's a big difference when it's someone who has been walking in community with believers, someone who's been a part of the church, who's been faithful in, in walking with others, who as somebody else has had something bad and rough in their life, they've been the one there linking arms with them saying, I'm lifting you up, I'm praying for you. And then when, when it's your turn and when you're the one that's in need, those people are like, oh yeah, they were there for me. I'm right back there for them. We're praying for each other. We're lifting each other up before God. We're doing this together. And there's a big difference. And when you wait for the tragedy to come before you try to, get to find those meaningful things in your life and when you develop those long before the tragedy gets there, it's a big difference from my perspective and what I've seen as a pastor. But Daniel here... He links arms with his friends and he says, hey, we're praying together. They pray and God answers their prayer. God gives Daniel the dream and what it means. And Daniel takes that moment to immediately bless and praise God. Because Daniel doesn't just say, whew, I knew, man, I'm not, I get to keep my arms. Yay. Thank you, God. No, he, he praises God and he blesses God and he says, this, all wisdom and might comes from you. It's all in your hands. And I think we're, we're guilty of this. I know I am. We'll, we'll pray for something and, and we'll, we'll seek the Lord for something and then he answers and like awesome stuff happens. And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, good. Way to go, God. I kind of knew you could do that. 
All right, now let's go on to the next thing. And we don't take that moment to stop and just think and reflect. Oh, wow, look what God did. Look how awesome he is. Look at, I can't believe he just did this. This is amazing. And I think that's something that we all need to learn from Daniel here, to take that moment to stop and just praise God for who he is and what he's done. And you can see there on the screen what Daniel says again there in verses 20 to 23. We're going to move on for the sake of time. Verse 24. Then Daniel went into Arioch. This was the guy that was sent to kill him. He goes back to him. He says, whom the king has appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The, de- the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, because remember they renamed him in their, their system to, to that. Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. He said, by human means, what you have asked for is impossible, right? Like, let's all just agree on this fact. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out not by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces, and because like the shaft of the summer threshing floors, And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory. And into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. 
And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand. And that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this This dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So you can kind of see why this dream, if you keep having it over and over again, would kind of freak you out. Right? There's this big statue that's awe-inspiring, and then a rock comes out of nowhere and smashes it to pieces and then turns into a mountain and fills the whole earth. that's, That's a dream. Right there. And Daniel gives him the interpretation. He says, you're the head of gold. Yeah, you are the man. You're the big deal right now. Your kingdom, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's head of gold. And a lot of times we're going to see this as we go through Daniel. And I know some of you guys are going to be frustrated with me um, as, as we go through it because what we want to do when we come to something like this is we want to roadmap it, right? We want to take it and say, okay, head of gold, Babylon. All right. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's silver? Who's bronze? Who's iron and clay? You know what? It doesn't say. (laughs) We can guess. We can look at history and we can try to match them up. You know, there's, there's great thought that, yeah, the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon, so they probably were next. And, um, well, then Greece came in, and then Rome came in, and then Rome kind of just, nobody really defeated Rome, right? It just kind of like trickled out and, into whatever we have today. So that's like all the, the clay and iron parts, right? So that's a logical explanation. Could be right. Don't know if it is. Um, but what I do know for sure from this that we match up with the rest of scripture is who the rock is that's cut out of the mountain. There's no doubt in that. He's the chief cornerstone on which the church is built. He's building his kingdom today. The kingdom that, that is said here that during the time of the other kingdoms, that kingdom is going to be being built He's building that kingdom today that is becoming the mountain that's going to ultimately take over the whole world and will last forever. And that's Jesus Christ. He did all of that by dying on the cross, paying the punishment for our sins so that we could be made right with God. So that we could have entrance into his kingdom. So that we could be a part of that kingdom that's going to last forever. And for Nebuchadnezzar and for you and for me, our only hope for all of eternity is Jesus If Nebuchadnezzar's hope was in himself, he's going to be greatly disappointed. 
If your hope is in yourself, you're going to be greatly disappointed. But if your hope is in Jesus, then that is a hope that will last. That is a hope that will last for all of eternity. Because he is that rock that's cut out of the mountain. And he is growing his kingdom into something that's going to take over the whole world. And he is coming back one day. And when he does, he is going to utterly smash and destroy every kingdom on this earth. Russia will be gone. Ukraine, gone. Canada, gone. U.S., gone. None of them can stand up to Jesus Christ when he comes back. He will utterly destroy every kingdom on this earth and put every individual up to be judged by the living God. And our only hope as we walk before the living God is for our sins to be covered by Jesus Christ and for him to say, I took their place. I took their sin on me. I paid the punishment for them. They're one of mine. Welcome them in. And that's what he'll say for those of us who are his. And so I ask you today, do you believe in Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Because just as Nebuchadnezzar was given this dream, this is still the future that's going to fully come to, come to pass. This is going to happen. The rock is coming back. And it's not Dwayne the, the Rock Johnson. It's the real rock. The rock of ages. And he's coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom and he's going to rule here on earth for ages to come. And so we see that God is in control of kings and kingdoms. And he is establishing Christ's kingdom. And Christ's kingdom will ultimately destroy all others and last forever. This is the truth. This is what we see in scripture. If you want to guess at the roadmap of when that's going to happen and how it fits with the different layers of the statue, go for it. But I know that sometimes we can get caught looking at the trees and miss the forest. And so if we get too caught up in the details of looking like, oh, this, 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 we're missing the main point. What he makes clear right here, the main point, is the rock. The rock's coming, he's going to smash all you guys. And that's what, what this vision ultimately points to. Let's finish out the chapter. Then, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. So remember what I said, Nebuchadnezzar's starting to get a little, a little, a little as we go along. What does he do when he's, he's given this? He starts worshiping Daniel. Daniel made it clear. It's not about me. No way I could do this. Only God could do this. It's God, God, God. He reveals everything to him. What does Nebuchadnezzar do? Worships Daniel. But then he gets a step closer. And the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. 
but Daniel remained at the king's court. So here's, here's our last point. Here's the way it should work. God gets the glory. But also know this. Faithfulness to him is rewarded. Daniel was faithful to God. And Daniel all along is pointing to God. And he's saying, God's the one that's doing this. Nebuchadnezzar, you need to pay attention to God. God, 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 God. And yet because of his faithfulness, he's rewarded. And he's placed in this high position in the kingdom. God's given him authority now over, over the Babylonian people, right? Here he is, a conquered, basically, slave from Israel. And all of a sudden, he's elevated to the place where he's basically ruling under the king in such a high position. And when we are faithful to God, we should know, not as a like, hey, I'm going to be faithful so I get something out of it kind of thing, but just we should expect, like, hey, when I'm faithful to God and the good things start happening in my life, I need to remember, oh, yeah, that was him. Because we can fall into like, oh, good things are happening in my life. Wow, I made some great decisions. You know, like, look at me. I, I invested properly, right? Like, whatever. Um, but, but seriously, it's not about us. It's about him. And God gets the glory. And when we are rewarded for our faithfulness, we need to be make sure that we're praising him and giving him the glory that he's due. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Um, Lord, we thank you that you are in control over history, history past, present, and future. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you will bring the rock back, that the rock will come and it will destroy the mess that we have made of this earth, and that you will set up your perfect kingdom that will last for all of eternity. Lord, I know you're going to do this in your time and your way. And in this time, I pray that we will be, continue to be a part of building your kingdom. That we'll be a part of building your kingdom by sharing the gospel, sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with others so that they too may believe, so they too might have hope and be a part of your kingdom. I'm going to pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.